The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So this is the conclusion of our To the Ends of the Earth series. And if you recall, the first one, we kind of went out of order. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you're going to be my witness. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we started with Pastor Abjar Baku to talk about the Samarias people that don't necessarily talk and look like us in our community. We talked about, uh, just last week, Pastor Lohmeyer was here, and we talked about national missions. Uh, in the middle of that, Pastor Joe Siglia talked about uh, the urban setting and how we go downtown, urban city, inner Detroit, and, and do mission work and the opportunities we have. I uh, want to mention to you that out in the gym, if you've not stopped by any of those tables, we have two new opportunities. Three, well, maybe more, okay? More opportunities for us to actually be witnesses to the ends of the earth. In, in August, uh, I'll be going to the UP uh, with a family kind of mission trip, going to uh, uh, Air Force bases closed down, but there's still people living in there and around there. We're going to do a VBS-type mission. In January, Dave Frank and I are going to go uh, to Mexico with a group of men. Uh, so please take a look at um, the opportunities after the service that we have. And I invited my friend now. I've get, gotten to know him over the last last couple months, but, but Jeff, uh, when you know it, when we start to talk, Jeff is a Chicago Cubs fan. You know, he's a national leaguer, I'm glad with that, but, but, but you know, I'm, I'm a what, St. Louis Cardinals, Cardinals. and I'm, you know, yeah. the Cardinals have won, I don't remember how many world championships, <laughs> and then, well, what about the Cubs? Oh, we've been waiting till next year for 108 years. Oh, 108 so. years. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> But we're still National Leaguers, and so if it's American League team I root for, I root for the Tigers, okay? National League, it's the Cardinal, but we're, we're getting to know each other a little bit better. And, and just to be able to, to tell him, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm talking to him on the phone. He comes to visit a, a Don Haney, our a director of our life groups, and a couple other people, and a, a light goes on. Wait a minute. I've been, you know, we've been bringing Christ to people, and it's my job as a pastor to equip you to share the good news of Jesus because the Bible says, be active in sharing your faith, for through that you'll gain a full understanding of all the good things we have in, in Jesus. And we've done that with Way of the Master. Remember that program we did back then, that Kirk Cameron, kind of like in your face, and the, it's the dreaded E-word evangelism. We talked about going public with your faith. We talked about the challenge of Islam. We, we talked about world religions throughout in Christianity. And, and, it's, and I'm, I'm trying to equip all of you. And then I'm talking to him. I'm like, wait a minute. I hate to say that dreaded E-word. And then, you know, evangelism. And then is there a better how to do these kinds of things? Yeah, so Tony, thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you guys, in spite of you being a Cardinals fan. So it's all right. The Cubs are in first place right now. That's just want to point that out. Yeah, so I forgot it's painful. That. All right. So, but the E word is a word that, you know, one thing we share with people that don't follow Jesus, they don't like evangelism, and neither do we. True? Right? They don't want you coming to their house and telling them all your stuff about Jesus, and you don't really want to go do that because it's kind of scary and you're not really sure what to say. And you don't want to be like the used car salesman for Jesus, right? Who's kind of pinning people to the mat and just shoving this stuff in there as fast as you can, right? We've all learned the evangelism method from our, our pastors like me. We've taught you, well, you've got to learn your story and get it down to two minutes. And then you've got to like get a few apologetics down and then get, get you know, kind of a bridge illustration or maybe the Roman road or something. So 
when the elevator door closes, you got like two minutes to kind of shove all this stuff in there, right? Get in there as fast as you can, and then you can always take comfort in the verse that says, if they don't listen, you can just dust your feet off and go on, because you did your job, right? You did your job. You made them, you made them uh, uh, you know, feel pain and suffering around Jesus, <laughs> right? And so, so, you know, we pastors have been trying to figure out how to get you mobilized. And here's the reality, folks. I'm just going to give you a real statistic from Bill Bright, Campus Crusade, former president of Campus Crusade. He said that 97% of people sitting in seats on Sunday morning in churches across America will never lead and have never led anyone to personally to Jesus in their lives. So 97% of our Christian followers of Jesus will spend their whole life sitting in church, listening to sermons, and will never get personally involved in leading someone else to know the Lord that they know. That's kind of sad. So we've tried to make it easy for you. We've said things like, well, you know, let's do a block party, and we'll just invite people to church. Right? Just invite them to church. Well, how's that working for us? I can tell you that George Barna says 73% of the population has never been invited to church in their lives. And you know that today, only 4 in 10 people will even kind of take that invitation to church, even if it comes from a personal friend. So that method of just inviting people to church, now, don't hear me wrong, we should keep doing it. I love the block party, I'd be there, I'd be bringing my friends, right? But we got to add something else onto that if we want to be good at evangelism. We can't just expect to invite people to church. Now, I worked in a big church like this one, and we used to tell our people, you invite your friends to church, and we will deliver the gospel, us professionals. You know, we'll get up here and do it, and they'll all find Jesus, (laughs) And, and it's kind of like sends the message that you aren't qualified and you can't do this, so we'll do it for you. We've almost like, I don't know, done you a disservice. You know, what if you could actually get personally involved in evangelism? What if you could become a person who goes into the world and as you are going, you can make disciples of all nations? What if you could just go to your workplace and be doing something a little different? So, so we at Q Place, we started thinking about this thinking, wow. What needs to be different? We developed what's called the nine arts of spiritual conversations. I'm going to put them on the screen for you. Notice these are basic behaviors that we believe Jesus himself lived in the world to engage people in relationship, loving relationship, before he ever shared anything with them. So notice the last art is sharing. Not the first art, that's the last art. It all begins with noticing. What if it counted for you To be part of evangelism, if you could just notice your neighbors and see them for who they are and get to know them. So so I have neighbors. You know, my neighbor Bob across the street, he's a lawyer. Um, His kids smoke dope in the front yard pretty regularly because I can smell it wafting across the uh, street. Um, He he likes to build stuff in his garage out of wood. I I, I go over there and talk to him. He he always has a cigar in his mouth. Um, uh, None of his family know Jesus. But he builds these beautiful boats in his garage. He built a beautiful sailboat for himself in his garage from scratch. Unbelievable. He built his friend a little boat to put his ashes in so that when he died of cancer, he could sail it in the Lake Michigan on this little boat that Bob built for his friend. I I have Christmas light wars with Bob. Uh, I try to put more Christmas lights up than he does. (laughs) And a couple years ago, the newspaper came by and took a picture of my house and said, this house is really getting it done. They mentioned his house is like an honorable mention. So I cut that out and pasted it on his door. <laughs> and said, hey, I won. Boom. And, uh, you know, so Bob and I have this back and forth relationship. Now, you know, Bob doesn't care about my faith in Jesus. He doesn't care about my faith in Jesus until he knows I care about him as a person. Until I take time to get to know him. So 
I've been practicing these with Bob. I, I notice the stuff that he does in his life. I pray behind his back. He doesn't know I'm praying for him. I don't go up to him and say, hey, Bob, I'm praying for you, buddy. That would be weird, right? Yeah. You don't want to be a weird Christian, do you? I, I listen to him. I ask him questions. I, I love him. I make myself a safe place for him to talk about his life. You know, this is cool. So, so yeah. what if we can learn to do this kind of yeah. work? And that's when I was talking to you. Right? That's when, yeah. the, when my, the light bulb goes on. Hey, I'm focusing on that last one, and I'm not teaching our people, training our people to do all the eight other things uh, that, that, that is part of, you know, not everybody is picked to be the evangelist. But we're all called to the work of evangelism. Jesus says we're gonna, you're going to be my witnesses. So we're going to be a witness regardless if we do a bad witness or a good witness. And so these arts are just something that I'm excited to teach. I just give a little story uh, to you. I don't know if I shared it in a sermon uh, or not with you. But my neighbor, uh, I've known him for 10 years now. Uh, awesome guy. Five years ago, he got the big, the dreaded C word is cancer scare. And so he's in the hospital. He hates hospitals. And I'm like, oh, man, this is a perfect opportunity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to pray with him. And I'm going to ask him if he wants to do a Bible study with me, you know. And everything went fine with him in the hospital. So he's back home. And I'm like, for four weeks, I'm like, once a week, we're opening the book of John. And then metaphorically, I'm saying, hey, Andy, open up your mouth, you know, because I'm just going to shove it and pour it in. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I see this relationship kind of cooling down with Andy. And all of a sudden, I learn this big lesson. Right, your pastor of outreach, slow down, slow down, and, and you know we all make those mistakes when when, when we, we do this uh, evangelism thing. But what we're we're still able to go out and do this, and with that being equipped, you know, my question to you um, is, how is this going to benefit our church when, when they yeah. practice these these arts? It's good. So so we at Q Place we started to think about what if we could do this like Jesus did this. What if instead of the, all the ways we've been taught about how to do evangelism, what if we could actually move in the world like Jesus? Because here's a couple things I noticed about Jesus. Non-believers, people that didn't believe in anything that Jesus was all about, they actually liked Jesus. Jesus was the most perfect, holy, righteous man to ever live. You would agree, right? On the face of the earth for those 33 years. And people that didn't know this message actually liked him. They were attracted to him. I can tell you something, folks. Those same people are not attracted to us. That's a problem. We must not be living our lives the way Jesus lived his life in the world. There must be something different about that. So we started thinking about, wow, could we teach Christians to live among non-believers like Jesus lived among non-believers? And if you think about it, Jesus had a huge heart for lost people. Matthew 9 says that when he came on the crowds, he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. He didn't look at those people and say, what's wrong with those people? How do we expect people without a God compass to behave like we do? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And so Jesus lived in a way that he noticed people and and listened to them and asked questions to them and, and loved them to the point where he had great compassion for them. And then what if we could learn to go into these settings living like this as with a compelling life of love for people that we met in those settings? So so a few years ago, one of my neighbors, I was doing a church plant in my community, and one of my neighbors, he was going to host the Illinois Street Brew Fest, which is a big beer party, basically. Now, I'm a Wheaton College guy, so I don't do well with beer. I know you Lutherans do better with beer, I think, right? Yeah, pretty much we call it Lutheran lemonade. There you go, yeah. So, 
So, so you know, at Wheaton College, you know, we didn't get trained. I had no idea how to do beer. But the, the entry pass to this party, and I said to my wife, I need to be at this party. All my neighbors are going to be there. The entry, uh-oh, I'm, not, I'm getting so excited, I'm knocking my microphone off. Uh, the entry pass to the party was to, uh, to bring a microbrew six-pack of beer to the party. So, I, uh, so I, I told my one neighbor, I said, you got to disciple me in beer drinking a little bit. So he took me down to Benny's Beverage Depot, and he uh, showed me the whole wall of microbrew beer, right? And, uh, and I'm looking at this going, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. How in the world am I going to, you know, get this to work? And then I saw it right in the middle of the wall, Hebrew Ale, the chosen beer. I'm like, I'm bringing that one. <laughs> so I took that puppy off the shelf, and I went to the party, and it was amazing. I got to know 43 of my neighbors at this party, I won every pool game because I was the only guy not drunk. I just carried a beer around and just, you know, talked to people. But I was thinking like, wow, what if I was equipped with these skills at that party to live like Jesus would live at that party? You know, Jesus went to parties on purpose. He went through Samaria, not around it. He went to the region of the Gerasenes on purpose. He actually hung out where non-Christians were on purpose and lived this kind of life on purpose among them. And that compelled people. They wanted to know what he was about. Wouldn't it be cool if we could learn to live that same way, right, in this training? Right. We could be trained this way, and we could start to live that compelling life so that when people, when we were ready to share, people would be like, wow, I'm ready to hear from you because I know you care about me, Tony. So right. tell me what you got there. Right. So. Jeff's, Jeff's a hockey player. I'm a... Yeah, yeah, you you go. got it. So on Wednesday nights, we play futsal here. And, and so I get to know these guys for I don't know how many years now. Uh, one of them came up to me about a year ago and said, you know, Tony, um, you're, you're, I'm not a spiritual guy. I don't go to church. But I just want to let you know that when you're reading from the Bible, you're telling me stuff, I'm listening. And it, it really does something for me. I'm like, wow, that's great. But yet, you know, I'm a talking head. I just read the Bible. You know, I don't know any of these questions these guys have. I'm just sharing my life. And so I'm ready to start one of these cute places. And so I kind of prime the pump. We're going to a little duct tape for his mouth. Right. And just right, make right. him listen. And that's the, that is that's absolute key. That, that, and I say this. God <laughs> gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. But anyway, we're at B-dubs because I'm priming the pump for what's going to happen. I say, hey, guys, why don't we get together like this more often? And, and here I am. I'm having a Lutheran beverage in front of me, and he has one. And he's, he goes, wow, I can check this off the bucket list. I'm having a beer with a pastor. You know? and, and that's just kind of, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, in, you know, I'm in the seats every Sunday with you. I'm learning this stuff too. We vetted this, this material as a small group, a life group, uh, Don Hanny and, and a few others. And I'm excited to be able to, to teach this stuff to, to those that want to learn. And, and it's not just, hey, you come to this Bible study, and, and, and then, you know, it's like weigh the master and whatever else you learn, and you're done. You know, I, I want to change the culture of our church to be able to say, yeah, we own these things, and this is what we're doing because we think that this is the way Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it this way, you know, there's something there, yeah. right? And so my question here is, how, you know, what can people expect when they, when, when they go through these arts of spiritual conversations? Well, one of the problems with, you know, with church today is that we've learned that these are programs. So we get this down. This is, I just got to go through this program for nine weeks, and now I'm going to be all good. So let me ask you a couple questions. When you went to driver's ed and sat in the classroom for driver's ed, did you become a driver? No, right? Would, you have, would we have ever turned you loose with a set of car keys after you walked out of the classroom and driver's ed without ever getting behind the wheel? No. We'd be crazy, right? 
So why do we think that the only thing we have to do is sit in a classroom somewhere and soak in some information and now we're suddenly evangelists or we know how to do this? No. This class, we're going to practice these things. And we're going to keep practicing. I mean, it might take us two years to learn them. It might take us, I don't know, how long? It takes a while to learn how to live like Jesus. That's okay. We need to keep bringing these back. So this is not another, I don't want this to be a program that goes on for six weeks or nine weeks and then it's all done. I've told Tony, let's make this a culture building thing. Let's teach Imagine if we could teach the thousand plus people that go to this church to live this kind of compelling life. About 2,800. Is that what it is? Uh, Sorry, man, that, I got the numbers wrong. Is that wrong. what it is, Pastor Joe? Uh, yeah, so, you know, if you, if you could teach people to live this compelling life where they live, work, and play, we would be like kingdom warriors. You know, you're going to meet people that Tony will never meet, Pastor Jim will never meet, because you're with them all week long, and they'll never be with Pastor Jim or Tony. Joe. Jo- Joe. It's not Jim. he's Italian. Oh, my Are you going to say that story, by the way? Uh, by, by my wife? I, well, yeah, yeah that's Relax. Jumping ahead of us. All right, so, all right, so, so, so you know, these, these are the, this is what you're going to be learning in the class. It's like, you know, introverts, think about it. You don't even have to say one word to notice, pray, and listen. So even introverts can do this, <laughs> right? You just got to sit in your house, notice your neighbors, pray behind their backs, sit with them. Why, why not hear their story before you tell them your story? Wouldn't they feel more cared for and loved? Wouldn't they feel, you know, when, when people ask you your story, don't, don't you feel like, wow, they're really interested in me? What if we could be interested in people, not because they're a project for our church or to grow our church, but because they're just people that need the Jesus that we already know? That's what this class is about. That's Teaching awesome. you how to go. Teaching you how to go. That's good. So um, after the class, you know, we talked a little bit about yeah. what, what happens after. What are, what are some things that, might be next steps. Yeah, it's good. So, so Q Place, you maybe heard the, saw the phrase Q Place. You might be wondering, what's a Q Place? Well, the ultimate goal of our ministry is to actually engage the world in spiritual conversations. That happens for our ministry through what we call Q Places. A Q Place is a question place. It's formed by three Christians who band together and invite their non-Christian friends and neighbor to a conversation about God. So, um, I was doing my church plant looking for ways to reach my neighbors and I ran into this cute play stuff and me and two other guys started one of these groups in my living room and we invited eight of our, we invited 12 of our non-Christian friends and neighbors, eight of them agreed to come. Uh, these are guys I knew from the, from the brew fest, from coaching soccer, baseball in my neighborhood, you know, just hanging out in my community and I invited these guys and said, hey, come on, why don't you come over to my house, we're going to have this conversation about God. And we're just going to sit and talk about what we believe about God. And we're going to just have this ongoing conversation. It's going to go on and on. And so we formed this group, and it was amazing. I couldn't believe what was happening in my living room with my non-Christian friends and neighbors. I was talking about things with them that I'd never talked about before with them. You know, it wasn't just like, hey, how about those bears? You know, how's the weather? All of a sudden, we're talking about their life. So we asked the one week, we asked the question, so it's halftime in your life. Um, And by the way, Q stands for questions. So this whole group is based on questions that we throw on the table and let people just discuss the questions rather than you presenting something. So we threw the question out. Halftime in your life, the coach is telling you this is what's going to happen in the second half of your life. And now what's he telling you? And Tim, Tim says, well, he's telling me to get ready for eternity. So I'm getting ready for eternity. I say, wow, Tim, that's unbelievable. What a, what a lofty goal. What, what are you going to do? And he gave me a list of like six things that he was working on to get ready for eternity. And then he turned it back on me. He said, aren't you like some pastor or something, some big Jesus guy or something? 
what are you going to do? If I'm doing these six things, you must have like 12 on your list. And I said, Tim, I'm gonna, I started to disappoint him, and I got, I got zero on my list. I'm going to do nothing. He goes, what? I go, yeah. I said, you know, Jesus already did it for me, so I'm just going to let him take care of it. I'm just going to do nothing. He goes, you mean to tell me, like, you're in the speed pass line at Disney World, and I'm like in the, the line behind three busloads full of kids? I'm like, yeah, that's it. I said, Tim, you can get my line, man. It's free. Then some guy over here says, man, I, I think I'm five busloads of kids back. You know what happened that, that week? Tim drove home in the car with one of the Christian facilitators of our group. This is after a year and a half of meeting with these guys. And in his driveway, Tim wanted, decided he wanted to have this Jesus take care of his eternity for him and prayed with our friend in the car yeah. to receive Jesus. Now that, you know, that didn't happen instantaneously. It happened after a year and a half of loving Tim, walking with Tim, being on the journey with Tim and this group, meeting with him every, every other week, asking questions, loving Tim. And some of the answers you get in a cute place are nuts. You can't act shocked. You gotta go, wow, that's interesting. How did you come to believe that about like the Bible or about God or whatever, right? Whole new approach. Now, you know, it's hard for people to get a picture of this. So what we did is we went to Denver, Colorado. I'll be honest, we hired some people on Craigslist, and we invited them to a group like this so we could film it. And we filmed the first meeting, we filmed the fourth meeting, and we filmed them in and out. And we can't show you the whole thing right now, it's too long, but Tony's got access to this, he can send it to you or something, I don't know. But we're going to show you like three minutes, and every Q place opens with this question, the first meeting you ever meet together. So this video you're going to see, these people have never met each other until this moment. And we ask them this question, if you could ask God one question, if you believe there was a God, you could ask him one question, what would you ask him? And every person in the world has a question for God. So watch this, three minutes, and you'll see how, they, how it goes. Great. To, to sort of get the dialogue going, uh, there's, there's one question I'm, uh, that I want to ask. And again, in the spirit of what we've talked about, there's no right or wrong answer. There's no judgment here. If you could ask God one question and you knew that he would answer, uh, what would you ask and why? What's the meaning of it all? You, you know, this existence. You know, my understanding of the scripture is like, God was lonely, so he made stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, is that really all there is to it? I think I just came up with maybe the best question. I mean, unless you want to go. I'm no, you got, the, you, got the, you got the best question. The best. Right? The best. The best. <laughs> all right. I was, uh, you got all of our attention. This is the one. I would ask God if he had to choose a religion, what in his mind is as close as humanity's come to understanding mm -hmm. what, who God is. I guess a little bit less profound than the best question of all of them. <laughs> Why is there a hell? Like, what's the point of that? My question would be, if you are the uh, one and only God, why are there other religions at all? I would ask God, what is the relation between uh, uh, reason and himself? So your, your question is, uh, what is the difference between you and my own, my own reasoning? Well, or just the principles of reason. Principles of reason. Uh, because it seems like even God would have to obey those. Uh, otherwise, there would be no reliability in God's nature. My question would be about imperfection, I think. All these different religions, these different philosophies, these different cultures, we, we wage war on each other. All these things, what's the point of that? I'd probably ask God... Um, why 
Is it so often that evil men prosper while good people tend to suffer? Mm. My question kind of goes along with your question. Uh, is, um, God, why would you allow small children to suffer mm-hmm. so greatly? Jared kind of stole my question. <laughs> um, I was going to, like, I would ask God, like, why allow man to be fallen? And if God had a plan to have evil happen so we could bring a son about, why not just leave it as it was? No. My question was interrupted by the most perfect question. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, and then, and then Brian started it all. And then Brian, you stole. You, that was my oh. question. Was your question? Why don't you articulate it the way you would articulate it? Um, you know, if, if there's only one God, why are there so many different religions? Yeah, I'm just fascinated. I, you know, I just I, I love. Isn't it interesting hearing different people's questions? Thank you for, thank you for your honesty in that. So that, that was meeting number one. Now those are profound questions that they're asking. You might think, oh my goodness, how am I going to get the answers to those? What if you didn't have to have the answers? What if you could just continue the conversation? So in my group, we took their nine questions and we spent a week, uh, every week after that, just discussing their questions and wrestling with their spiritual questions. You know, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I don't know anyone in the world that has been argued into the kingdom of heaven. Yet somehow we've learned that people out there are like hostile to our Christian faith and they're, they're like these militant atheists and we got to get all these apologetics down and argue them into the kingdom. Really? I know a lot of people that have been loved into the kingdom who basically had people come alongside them and let them ask all their crazy questions and just say, hey, let me walk with you on the journey. Let me, let me be alongside you on this journey. That's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He just walked alongside of his disciples till they got it. Right? It's awesome. We have um, life groups in this, in this place. About 500 of, of our whole congregation are involved in that. Yeah. I know that this is a, a great moment, too. If you're in a life group, a small group, and with Don Haney as a leader, you know, you want to think about coming uh, to this arts of spiritual conversations and just embracing, embracing yeah. that. Yeah, and, you know, life groups are awesome. Yeah. But again, you know, discipleship has been defined primarily by what we do for ourselves to get deeper in Jesus. Right, but right. what if discipleship includes what we're going to do for somebody else? Right. And this right? is kind so of, a, it, speak, it, it marries a, yeah. uh, what our vision is. We, we, our vision at Faith Lutheran Church to bring Christ to people, right? And to build Christ followers. Any final thoughts? Final thought I have is this, um, and I'll, I'll tell you about it in, from this way. Um, so I'm married 30 years this past week. And I've got four children, 21, thank you, thank you. Met my bride at Wheaton College, she was a hockey fan, I was a hockey player, so it worked out well. Um, We have four kids, 21, 19, 17, 15, and and so 30 years ago, I realized my Italian wife is an amazing cook. Her dad's secret spaghetti sauce and all this stuff, right, it's amazing. So I made a deal with her, I said, look honey, you cook, I will clean up the dishes. And for 30 years, it's been going on. But now, of course, there's four new equations involved, right? My four children. So typical dinner time at my house looks like this. My wife gets up and says, okay, kids, your dad, he's going to clean up the dishes. It would be nice if somebody would help him. And she leaves. You know what happens next, right? 21-year-old says, dad, I'll get you tomorrow, man. I got to go to work. The 19-year-old says, Dad, I got a lot of homework. I'll get you some other time. You know, the, the next one says, I got to go to soccer practice. The, the 15-year-old says, Dad, I got a PS4 game. Pause in the basement. I got to finish that. And then I'll be up. Pretty soon I'm by the table by myself. You know, I didn't realize I was experiencing a psychological phenomenon the psychologists call the bystander effect. 
the more people in a room, the less likely anyone is to take personal responsibility for what needs to get done. Do you know what? The American church, we have got a bystander problem. Thousands of people sitting on seats on Sunday morning, listening to these calls to make disciples, shaking their heads going, yeah, that's, that's right, that's good, that's good. Then everyone gets up and goes home, but nobody feels personally responsible to actually get involved in the game. We figure Pastor Tony will do it, or Pastor Joe, or I'm sure one of these pastors will make a disciple, so we'll be doing it, kind of. What if God wants you to get personally involved? What if he wants you to get involved in his mission? And what if we can teach you how? So I, I hope you'll come check out the Arts and Spiritual Conversation with Pastor Tony, and we can start a movement here. Amen. Right? And we can Amen. look back on this day as the day that started a movement yes. for the kingdom. So Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this whole series in August, Lord, uh, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. All the opportunities we have in this place. But then it comes down to really bringing Christ, bringing you, Jesus, to people. Thank you for those opportunities. I pray, Lord, that you touch uh, our congregation in a special way, that we get involved in the inner city, in the Jerusalems, in our community, in our workplace, in our homes, wherever you call us to be. It's not by accident, but you set the exact times and places where we should live and be. Thank you for putting us here in this place. And Father, we ask your blessing now that we can continue uh, to bring this good news to people to the ends of the earth. We ask it in the name of Jesus, all God's people say, amen.